Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Gate 4 Podcast with your host, Corey Austin. And alongside me, as always, is Luke Owens. What's up, guys? All right, so this week we have a very special guest. Unfortunately, he is a Red Sox fan, so we do have to hate him for that. But one of our really <laughs> good friends, Jack Bolia. What's going on, Jack? Ah, uh, man, thanks for having me. It's uh, terrible to be here. <laughs> now, we, we got to start it off. I just got to ask you one question. Uh-huh. How does it feel to win the World Series and now face maybe not even making the playoffs? Well, it feels really good to win the World Series. But how does it feel to not make the playoffs? Because I do remember Mookie Betts said there will be no World Series hangover. And I don't know. I mean, it kind of looks like there is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been talking to some <laughs> of the guys. <laughs> but, I mean, we have, to, we have to make fun of the We have to make fun no, of the no, no. Now, another thing. How does it make you feel that Cameron Mabin's OPS is like 45 points higher than Mookie Betts? Um, you know, I'm happy for Cameron. That's good for him. <laughs> um, he's supposed to be but, the future uh, of the Red Sox, though. Yeah, mm. He's supposed to be the future of a lot of teams. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Maven's been a really, really excellent pickup. Um, and Mookie, I, I don't, because I don't know if you guys remember when we did the fantasy ratings uh, like last year, but I actually had Mookie substantially lower than everyone else and then <laughs> he had this ridiculous year so um yeah i i don't really know with him it's tough because at any point he can just go on these two month long stretches you know and and become the guy that we we have seen mm-hmm. over the whole season but um i don't know i mean i i think it would have been really irresponsible for anyone to think that last year was his new level because i know Everyone last year was like, oh, you know, Mookie's the second best player in baseball. But it's like, you know, there's a second best player in baseball every year. You know, there's a new one. Like this year, it's Bellinger uh, or, you know, Yelich maybe. Last year was Mookie, you know, the year before. It's always. There's always one guy who has a crazy year. Right. He's always the second best. And I know Luke and I were talking about it the other day. Like, we both agree that the Red Sox, in our opinions, are way scarier than the Rays when it comes to, like, you know, playoff pushes, who we'd rather face. Right. I mean, the Rays are fine. They're a great team, great team. But you're right in the sense that Mookie could randomly just – Mookie can take his OPS from, like, 840 or whatever it is to 900 in the span right. of three weeks. Uh, J.D. Martinez has still been pretty damn good. Chris Sale's looking like Chris Sale again. He's actually honestly making a run towards the Cy Young now, which mm-hmm. is really freaking annoying. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we both agree that I still think <clears throat> the Red Sox have a run in them. And I'm not even like saying it as a as a Red Sox fan, but I do agree with you. Uh, I know, like it was probably like a month ago. I think Luke asked if the Rays had a competitive enough, or if a they had a good enough lineup to compete. Mm. And it's really not all that deep. Um, and I at the time said yes because kind of the criteria for my question was like, or my answer was, well, they are competing, so it is good enough right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, to be able to sustain, you know, against a Red Sox team that hasn't even quite gotten hot yet, potentially. Um, yeah, I think the Yankees are going to be really, really dominant all year. I don't really think that is out of the question <laughs> at this point. And I know, it, 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 it sucks to be on the other side now. <laughs> yeah, uh, now you know how we felt all yeah, last year. Yeah, because now I know how it feels. But, um, you know, the Rays had this really hot streak at the beginning of the year. The Yankees have been streaking since the beginning. I think the Red Sox have been dormant for too long to not go on, you know, a 15 and two run, something like that. So, which um, terrifies me to my inner soul. <laughs> right. Well, it terrifies me too because we've been saying this now for a couple months, hoping that, like, you know, they're kind of going to break out of this slump where they're like above average, but, you know, not kind of to the level where they were. So, mm-hmm. um, and, it, it, it's kind of wild to me that the Red Sox are only six and a half games out of first. So they, like, in theory, could make a run. Now, I know the Yankees, we're going to get into the... Obviously, we're going to get into the Yankees because this is the Yankees podcast. Right. Um, but, like, the Yankees are finally he- almost fully healthy. Mm-hmm. The Rays, like we said, I don't think the Rays have a good enough lineup to keep it going. The bullpen day really worries me. Like, I know that they've made it work, but, like, can it really work in a long period? Because, like... Jack, you know more than anyone, and this is actually my favorite, one of my favorite lines from you, is that relievers are the most volatile position in baseball. 
Right. And when you bullpen day it and need like six relievers in one day, you're asking every single person to come in to be on their best that day. And that just can't happen statistically every single game. So I will say, yes, that is absolutely true. Uh, because as most people know, you know, relievers are guys that aren't good enough to start. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, 100% what it is. Yes, there's a lot of good relievers, but would Josh Hader be as good as a starter as he would be a reliever? Probably not, because the Brewers have made that, you know, like internal evaluation, I guess. But uh, I will say for Tampa Bay, I do think that this is reasonably sustainable right now. I think the level that they're pitching is at in terms of like consistency is remarkable. They are a very, very difficult team to score against. That being said, if you do score against them, and due to natural variation, you will at some point, even Jose Alvarado and Diego Castillo have become more hittable as the season has gone on, then it becomes the question of, is the lineup good enough to score more than three or four runs in any given game? And against you know, the Red Sox or Yankees, they might not be able to score that much. As, you know, as, mm-hmm. as much as the Red Sox have struggled with uh, relief, and as much as the Yankees have kind of struggled a little bit at the back end of the rotation, they're still good teams. These are still very, very good staffs going against a lineup that has Tommy Pham as, you know, what I think is its most dangerous hitter. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that, that's just kind of how I view it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, even along with the Yankees, like, their starters normally only go five innings. We don't have that crazy bullpen to go after. The Red Sox having or facing the Red Sox with Chris Sale. And, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez has been crap this year. But Porcello has his moments. I mean, you know who Chris Sale is. Even the Red Sox bullpen has been really good, which honestly blows my mind. They um, uh, have quietly put together a very good bullpen over the past few years, just kind of picking up table mm-hmm. scraps. Which, Which is really freaking annoying. Yeah. So that's normally what the Yankees do. <laughs> and I don't mm. like it when the Red Sox do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we're going to move on to the Yankees because I know Luke's sitting in the background like, all right, nobody cares about the Red Sox. Nobody cares about the Red Sox. Let's go. Let's go. No, I was, um, I was enjoying the conversation. <laughs> I, uh, part of me doesn't believe that, but I'm going to take your word for it. But anyway, so moving on to the Yankees news. I know this is going to make Jack shiver. But tomorrow, for tomorrow's game, the Yankees will have their full lineup as the Yankees' best player, Aaron Judge, is being activated tomorrow morning. Um, That, Luke, I know me and you have been waiting for that more than we've been waiting for anybody else to return. I am so ready for Aaron Judge to be back. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty ready. And I don't know, putting him back in that two-hole, the question is going to be how do you arrange that lineup? And on yes, during the rain delay, they're kind of trying to piece it together, and it, it consisted of Hicks in the eight hole Torres in the nine hole. So those are just some scary <laughs> options towards the end of the lineup. When you insert judge into that two hole, Luke Voigt, I think was slotted hitting sixth, but I mean, judge when obviously he only had 89 played, uh, played appearances this year, but you know, the power wasn't necessarily as there as, as it seemed like it should be He kind of got hot before he got injured, but mm-hmm. everything really points to him breaking out. I mean, his exit velo is the highest it's been in his career. Uh, his barrel percentage is up from last year. His hard hit percentage is the highest it's ever been. So I think what you get in Judge is a guy that's going to see a lot of pitches in the two-hole. He's going to table set for basically the whole lineup, which is mm-hmm. another scary thought, especially with guys like Incarnacion, Stanton hitting behind him. But just his presence alone, especially in right field, kind of being that cornerstone gold glove caliber right fielder, I think that's going to be huge too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, l- listen to this lineup. This is a potential lineup that the Yankees can piece together when Judge comes back. You have LeMahieu batting leadoff, which we can all agree we want that. Judge hitting two. I would personally put Sanchez batting third. Actually, no. I would put Stanton third, Sanchez fourth, Encarnacion fifth, Voigt sixth, Didi seventh, Hicks eighth, and Torres ninth. I mean, can anybody say, either of you guys say, that that is not the best lineup in baseball by, like, a, I don't want to say a literal mile, but that's at least a half a mile, the best lineup in baseball. Yeah, because I keep trying to think of what a deeper lineup would be. And really the only thing, like the only team that I can think of would be the Astros, I think. But even, you know, they're not healthy. And even when they all are, they don't have to decide between Aaron Hicks or Glaber Torres and the nine hole. Like that's, 
that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even <laughs> when they're like, like you said, even when they're fully healthy, Altuve hasn't been great. Correa's not been, right. been actually pretty bad. Springer slowed down a lot from his crazy start. Um, I mean, Josh Reddick's fine, I guess, but he's an everyday mm-hmm. hitter. Um, they're a good. They're, the Astros have a great team, and they're honestly the biggest. To me, they're the biggest threats to. They're the big, the Yankees' biggest threats in the AL. But I, I, would, I would agree. Yeah. And, like, looking at their lineup, though, like, I'm – for me with them, once we get past, like, the six-hitter in their lineup, I feel a little good. The Yankees, you literally have no break. I mean, Jack, we were talking before the podcast about the fact that Glaber Torres is, like – you you said that Glaber Torres could be the next kind of, like, Cody Ballinger, et cetera, kind of type that's, like, right, just great right. at everything they do. And he's hitting ninth. He's, he's going to be hitting ninth. Right. Yeah, because I was – so, to I guess – Put some context to this. Yeah, yeah. The other day, so the other day I was kind of thinking about like what young player, kind of under twenty five, and then I heard it on the CBS Sports uh, like today podcast for like fantasy baseball. They actually asked the same question, and um, the two names that I was kind of deciding between were Juan Soto and Glaber Torres in terms of like who could, you know, kind of take that next step towards stardom, Um, and I think uh, I just. I, I do think that Glaber is one of the best, like, pure hitters on the Yankees. I think he's one of the best hitters in that entire lineup. I think he's been one of the best hitters in the entire system for years. Um, and you and I have talked about this extensively, obviously. But mm-hmm. even when he was, you know, kind of a top 10 prospect, a top 20 prospect, that sort of thing, I was always the one that was like, he might be underrated still. Yeah. And, you know, I, and granted, you know, most of his or not most of his damage, but a lot of his damage is come against the Orioles, who are obviously not good. But mm-hmm. also, it's not like you can not count that. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. Like, you can't you know, just ignore it. People are like, oh, you know, he's hit, you know, 11 of his 19 home runs or whatever, like against the Orioles. And it's like, yeah, but he still hit 11 home runs against the major league team. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. a half major league team. But, <laughs> no, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, we're talking about Glaber Torres, and you and I were laughing about it. But, like, some of our, the people on our website were like, oh, Glaber Torres is going to be like a 15 to 18 home run guy, contact first kind of guy. He's 192 games into his major league, into his major league career. Right. He hit his 41st home run today in his 192 second game. I mean, he's more than just a guy who's just going to put the ball in play and maybe get a few steals. He's quite literally an all-around offensive stud. Well, yeah, and... and- Oh, sorry, Luke. Oh, you're good. I just want to jump in quick. But uh, right. one of the things that kind of amazes me is, yes, he's hitting the, the home runs. He's also striking out a lot, but he's still hitting 283. So it's kind of one of those weird dynamics where every time he gets out, it's a strikeout. But obviously, that's not a big issue in the game today. It's just, it just kind of amazes me how he's still able to get on base at a, at a decent clip and hit for a high average while also striking out that much doesn't take a lot of walks. So he's almost, I don't know, to me, he's kind of a bit of an, a, an enigma, just the way that he kind of carries himself because mm-hmm. I mean, the 17 home runs this year was something, I mean, 24 last year, but still 17 this at this point in the season. And he's really, I, I just love the way he kind of works day in and day out. And the home run he hit today was kind of one of those points, Corey, where we were talking about it it's almost expected at this point, you know, the fans are starting to walk out and you said, you thought to yourself, this guy, like if he hits a home run, people are going to be real mad. And I mean, it was majestic through the rain, three run blast. So he's just been fun to watch. Definitely one of, one of the more exciting players to watch uh, for the Yankees and the way he sometimes utilizes his speed, he kind of picks and chooses spots there. And I mean, you obviously are going to take the glove at second base. So he's been one of the more well-rounded guys in this team. And through all the injuries, Torres has remained, steady which i think has been huge yeah definitely i mean go, go ahead jack i know you had some oh, words yeah, you wanted so to say. I, I was just gonna say you know with you know the strikeout rate is kind of high and the average is still kind of high you would expect the average to come down a little bit i think he's probably more of a 265 270 hitter right now but he's still very young this is really only mm-hmm. what his second full year and, and he's only 22 <laughs> like, it, this is age exactly. 22 season and and it, you know, so he's still learning on the fly, and people forget that. So this is not exactly what Glaber is going to be, but this is what he is now, which is why I think, you know, you mm-hmm. give him what four more years of control on the like on the Yankees, yep. three more years of control, and it's like you get the strikeout rate down, you get the contact rate up. Actually, you know that it's quality contact. I actually think it's five more years because they got the extra year oh, of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you're right. So which. It, 
in my opinion, they actually didn't do service time manipulation because he was coming back from the Tommy John surgery. He was. Yep. So they actually had valid reason to give him a few more minor league games, which, right. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> right. No, I agree with that. And that's, that's also like, and, you know, I, I totally have this reputation for picking, um, you know, very toolsy shortstops who <laughs> perform, per, who perform like adequately at their level for their age. Um, and Glaber was always one of those guys. So I, I have really liked him for a long time. He's a, he's a really great example of why I really like that profile. Um, you know, it was hard to say that he was utterly dominant at all times through the minors, but he was so good relative to his level mm. for his age, um, which is one of the reasons that I really liked him. But, and we, you know, we were talking today, but there's, you know, kind of this profile that Glaber fits in, um, and it's happened to a couple of players on, you know, other star set of teams, but he is really lost in the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of amongst all these people. So I, I kind of see it developing into a, uh, a Xander Bogarts, Anthony Rendon sort of player where he's really, really good at everything, but he's not really elite at one thing, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I feel like Yankees fans will probably never give Glaber the respect that he deserves. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, a little disappointing to see because I, you know, I can tell you as somebody that has to face him, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah definitely. he's really good. I just I remember last season, Jack, like right before he got called up. I think he was the second second best prospect in baseball. I forgot who was first, but he was the second best prospect in baseball at the, uh, right before he got called up. And then um, he, we were talking to people, and I was like, "Oh, I'm mad he's not first. This, this, this." And people were like, "Well, no, he's actually pretty high being second. And I was like, "What?" And they were like, "Yeah, he honestly just cut." And, I, and you know who I'm talking about? I don't want to name any names. But you know exactly who I'm talking about. No, no, yeah. But I was, they were like, oh, yeah, he gets kind of a bump because he's a Yankee prospect. And I was like, no, he gets a bump because he's a freaking beast. Like, mm -hmm. and, I, and I know, you know, part of it, too, especially with, uh, you know, prospects and projections is, mm -hmm. you know, you do tend to want to be conservative. Um, but that to me was, for some reason, it was always very obvious to me. And I, I think it was that he actually had a, a pretty projectable frame from a young age. You could kind of see where, you know, the weight and the muscle was going to go on to him. And he, you know, he kind of developed this power in addition to, you know, a very good swing that's built for loft. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I always thought it was pretty easy 20, 25 homer, you know, profile at peak. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, he, he did always feel, and, and I feel like that's part of the reason now that people maybe don't appreciate him as much as they should is because, uh, you know, kind of this, not necessarily like cloud around him as a as a prospect, but it's not like he was the most exciting prospect in the game to people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he really wasn't all like because, like you said, he didn't ever really dominated the minor leagues in a sense. Right. Like he was just hitting his hitting out his mind, but he was just a great toolsy prospect who everybody right. knew that if he panned out, he would be he would start dominating in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. So that kind of took some like, kind of took some shine off of him in the minors. But it really frustrated me when people were like, oh, no, he gets a bump because he's a Yankee prospect. And like, oh, 15 home runs at best. He's not a power hitter. You could literally see it in his swing that he was going to have power. Right. And also with a lot of these big teams now, they are really developing prospects. And like you're seeing a lot more of them work out. So even if you do get a slight bump, like, I mean, for, so another example for me is, I was always really high on Jordan Alvarez of the Astros. Mm. Uh, and I, I guess I've learned recently that it is actually pronounced Jordan. But I was really high on him, uh, particularly because you know, the Astros do such an excellent job developing mm. hitters. So I think it's okay to give some small boost to teams that do it well. Like, I was a lot more confident in Glaber panning out than... Uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but... Basically, if he was with any other team, I probably wouldn't have trusted that they'd develop him as fast as the Yankees have. Yeah. Um, oh, I actually can give you an example. Willie Adamas. I mean, he was a good hitting prospect in the minors. Right. Everybody was like, oh, he's going to be so good. I, we even had people tell us he was as good as Glaber. Yeah, they, they were pretty <laughs> – I mean, people did tend to compare him as prospects. And uh, So the funny thing was I really liked Adamas uh, for a long <laughs> time. And I felt like I was the high guy on him, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm no longer the high guy. Like I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of like the lukewarm guy, actually." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, um, 
But yeah, I mean, he's 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 actually another really good example of somebody in the Rays lineup that does not strike any fear into me at all. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> William Adams comes to play, and I'm like, all right, everybody move. It's like kickball when the weak kid in the gym class comes up. You're like, all right, everybody right. move in. That's like mm-hmm. kind of what I look like with Adamas and his like what six twenty OBS. Yeah, and I mean, like, granted, he's so young, but like he, if you look at him and you look at Glaber, he doesn't have the frame that Glaber does. Exactly. You know, so I mean, he still does have age on his side. I still think that he he is going to be an above average regular someday. But I don't think he will ever approach you know the sort of stardom that Glaber is capable of. Exactly, I that, I completely agree. Um, but anyway, so moving on a little bit because we kind of went on a Glaber rant, tan, tangent there, which I'm never <laughs> going to complain about because I love that man. Right. Love him. But one thing Luke and I are very excited about is as long as the Yankees hold on to, I think they're up 10-4 to right now, as long as the Yankees hold on to this lead against the Astros, the Yankees will have won six games in a row, and actually it's the bottom of the eighth, and they have two runners on with no outs, so it looks like we're doing all right. But Yankees will have won six in a row. We look really good again, Luke. I know you and I were talking. The Yankees were really awful last week. I think they went like 2-6 and or something like that, and you and I were like, oh, we suck again. That's fun. Yeah, it's kind of funny because we kind of thought that losing streak had to come at some point with the, the quote-unquote AAA lineup, not to kind of buy into what Yankees Twitter called it for for a long time. But, yeah, it was kind of expected regression, but it, it was fast. And I, what I like about the what the Yankees have done, especially at home versus, uh, against the Rays, they kind of showed a little bit of everything. That first game was the 3 to nothing win where Tanaka was obviously nine, inning, nine innings lights out. The second game was 6-3. to three. It was kind of one of those games where – a nice mixture of, of timely hitting and good pitching. And then obviously yesterday, the 12 to one win was kind of just the Yankees flexing their muscles. So I really like kind of the mixture showing that uh, they can do it all in, in all three of those games. But this is kind of not to be, not to be a Debbie downer Corey, but I kind of want to get Jack's <laughs> take on this, but we have him on here um, obviously because he's, you know, he's, I know you've been in Minnesota for a while, but uh, Aaron Hicks has been real bad this year. And I think that, We've kind of let it slide under the rug just because uh, we have all the, you know, the good pieces coming back. But Hicks has been has been real bad. I mean, he's hitting 198. He's he's OPSing 656, and he's looked real lost on both sides of the plate, at least from what I've seen, Corey. And, and even looking into what he should be hitting or is his X stats. He it's only supposed to. I mean, his XBA is 200. So I don't know. He to me, Corey, he's looked lost. And and not to be the Debbie Downer, but he's an important piece for the Yankees lineup and. Righty and lefty, he just seems he just can't figure it out this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I've I'm not worried. I don't want to say I'm worried about Hicks because I mean if you remember Hicks last year, I mean he was only hitting he was he started out the year hit with a 687 OPS last season, uh, going through May 11th, which was if Baseball Reference will ever load for me. Quick plug to Baseball Reference. Through his first 24 games of the season, he had a 673 OPS or excuse me 683. OPS. 687 OPS through his first 28 games of the season, as I'm starting to stutter. And then if you look immediately after that, after he kind of got that out of the way, over his next month, over his next month, he brought that up to a 906 OPS. Or he had a 906 OPS over his next 25 games. So Hicks is kind of reminds me of Mark Teixeira in the sense that they're going to start out slow. They're going to take some time getting their offense back. But you and I both know, and Jack knows this too, because Jack hates Aaron Hicks for this. But he's too good of a hitter to be hitting like this. And we all know it. I mean, he's a great, great hitter. He's an incredible defensive center fielder. And honestly, we just got to give him his time. That's really all we can do at this point. <sighs> yeah, just to yeah. Uh, plug what I'm doing real quick, I'm watching the, uh, the Mariners-Orioles game because I <laughs> decided to stream <laughs> Wade LeBlanc and Dylan Bundy today, and it's going horribly. <laughs> I was gonna I mean, bet the over on that game. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, that's probably smart. But Luke, we gotta we gotta sit down one day and we gotta get an intervention going with you. I, every time you text me, oh, I bet the over on this, I bet the under on this, I bet this, this, this. <laughs> and, no, dude, we had an absolute <laughs> barn burner today. We we I punched the over of Rockies Arizona, which was uh, eight and a half, and we were sitting at uh, Arizona up four to three in the ninth, and the the Rockies squeaked across the run to get it to four four put on two more in the 10th for good measure and we hit the over. So I don't think I need intervention. I think you just got to punch the overs, especially when you see two NL West teams playing or when you see uh, Bundy and LeBlanc on, on the bump. 
Right, I mean, why would you intervene on a hot hand? Well, Luke also bet on the NBA draft tonight and lost. So, I mean, he's only talking about, <laughs> he's only talking about the good stuff tonight. Uh, I also, <laughs> whoa, 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 I put money on the U.S. women, too. So, that's a that's a two-for-one, uh, two-in-one day. So. <laughs> no intervention. I, we we got to sit down, man. We got to sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> Your girlfriend's going to kill you oh, if you keep it up. Awesome. You, know, you and I both know that. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a fact. But, you know what? <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling like a hot hand right now, so we'll that's, see we'll see what we dive into tomorrow. We'll, I'll keep that's the most dangerous thing you've ever said is that you're feeling hot. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely dangerous. I'm ready to get crushed. <laughs> Luke's all what? right. Luke wins three out of four. He's gonna go and lose like six bets in a row now and be like, but, <laughs> right. but last week, but last week I won three out of four. <laughs> Just treating um, myself. I was gonna say so to, to get back to the Aaron Hicks thing. Yeah, yeah. I am curious. So I was gonna check, but my uh, laptop literally just died. Um, hmm. What? Or how many plate appearances does Hicks have this season? And he was out with like his back, right? Yeah. So he missed the first. Right. I want to say like fifty games, something like that. So far this year, he's played in twenty-seven games, one hundred and seventeen PAs, but he's hitting one ninety-eight, two ninety-nine, three fifty-six. But the one thing I do see there. Is he still taking his walks? I mean, his OBP is 100 points higher than his batting average. Right, right. So, and the power's still there a little bit. I mean, he's got the four home runs, four doubles. He just needs to work. Excuse me, choked on air there for some reason. He just kind of needs to figure it out a little bit. I mean, it's going to take some time. He's he's not a 656 OPS guy anymore. He's just not. He's right. too good for that. So, um, well, I was going to say, I, I know a lot of people especially, you know, just kind of in the general baseball community, we're kind of confused by the acquisition of, like, Edwin Encarnacion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think people realize the importance of having depth and just mm-hmm. a lot of options, uh, which is really nice. Because when you have a guy like Aaron Hicks that's struggling and you have a guy like Cameron Maben who is doing well, then you can plug him in, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing, which seems obvious to teams, but there's really only one team that I can think about that has had such, you know, outstanding depth of the past couple of years, and that would be the Dodgers. So, yeah. And that's kind of what it feels like with the roster construction of the Yankees is, you know, the mistake that a lot of teams would make. And I do think still make is, you know, they try to get the 25 best guys that they can, and that's great. But what happens when you get to 26 and 27? What happens, you know, when the Dodgers were riddled mm-hmm. with injuries? I think it was last year or maybe the year before. Uh, but, you know, just riddled with injuries and they kept winning because they had such quality depth. Uh, and, you know, that's what you see with the Yankees. So it's not just the 26th and 27th guys that you want to be, you know, respectable enough to be able to call up. You know, the 32nd and 33rd guys are also very important. Yeah, I mean, I, com- I completely agree. I mean, we all know that the Dodgers are known for, like, their 38th guy off their bench coming up to the right. – Coming out or the thirty-eighth guy out of their organization coming up and OPSing nine eighty for some reason for the three weeks he's in the major leagues and then they just DFA him because they don't need him anymore. Right, and it's it's also a diff- it's a difficult situation to navigate as a manager because the first thing that you have to do is you have to have this understanding that there's a buy-in and not every guy is going to be a permanent starter. You know they're going to use platoons, they're going to use guys that can sub in and out. Sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable if you have a two-and-a-half war guy starting over a two-war guy. Um, but I, I think that's something that Boone should definitely be uh, commended for as well because now that guys are coming back, it's tough. There's, there's lots of guys that are playing well. You know, Clint Frazier is absolutely hitting well enough to stay up but had to be demoted. That's just yeah. know, the way that it was. And there's going to be guys that, you know, do start to get cut from playing. Um, and, you know, that's never easy because now he's essentially got two teams, his team that was winning while most of his team was on the DL and then his team that was on the DL that's coming uh, back. You say I on this podcast. Oh, sorry. No, we I don't. Know. No, we don't. <laughs> Trust me, but, no, we don't. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he can kind of weave the thread between these two teams because I, I truthfully can't imagine that they've had a ton of interaction together if I'm being completely honest, like I, I know there's a lot of it, but you know, how much is Gio or Shella or you know Cameron Maven realistically played with Stanton or Judge or the other guys that are you know kind of the leaders mm-hmm. and you know I guess the main guys of the Yankees. So um, that being said, you know Boone has done a remarkable job this year. Uh, he's great. It sucks. I 
I've been saying I long said it. I know people made fun of the Boone hiring when it first happened. Um, and but it's the Yankees. They exactly. know what they're doing. Exactly. Like that's what you I was know. saying. I was like, Brian Cashman's not stupid. I think we can. I think we can firmly say by this point that we can all agree Brian Cashman is not stupid. We can all firmly he agree on understands that. Understands what he's doing. <laughs> so like, if he's well, he traded for James Paxton, which was just idiotic after. I mean, yeah. What, I know, a, what a terrible trade. What a terrible trade. I mean, Joseph <laughs> Sheffield with his seven ERA and AAA actually just got yeah. demoted to Double A. Demoted to Double A. <laughs> I mean, it was such a stupid trade on Cashman's part. I have to say, one of the one of the beautiful parts of Cashman having the Yankees farm system is, you know, some sometimes those guys do get a little boost because they're in the Yankee system, and I think Sheffield was kind of one of those Sheffield guys. Sheffield was one of them because most of the that. people yeah. that I've listened to, and uh, we have a lot of good minds that, that work for the site, and no one really was too high on Sheffield. And the fact that Cashman flipped him for Paxton, I think, is <clears throat> is pretty amazing. I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I know me and Reese and Corey. Well, me and Reese were very vocal about being down on uh, Sheffield. I know Connor liked him, um, and then Corey today told me that he was just defending him because he was a Yankee. No, <laughs> that, no, left. Luke. I mean, that's a Corey thing to do. But like, it Luke, is a Corey you, thing to do. You guys remember? You guys were in. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the day the trade went <clears> down, <throat> um, right after the news. So I actually took a nap. This is this is my finding out Paxton got traded to the Yankee story. I was dead exhausted, and I was like, I need to take just like an hour nap just so I can continue throughout my day. I wake up to like nine text messages from Luke, a couple of text messages from my other Yankee friend friends. I open my phone, and all I see from Luke over and over again is, Paxton, 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 Paxton. And I was like, what? I had no idea. So I opened the group chat. Everybody's freaking out about it. And then my first quote was, my, my literal first text message was like, sweet, now I don't have to care about Justice Sheffield anymore. <laughs> But uh, I mean, it was also really funny because, like, I remember I was like, I don't know, I was playing like Assassin's Creed or something, and like, uh, I was like, I can't believe you guys just got Paxton for nothing. And you're like, I don't know, man, he's like getting pretty hard, like giving up home runs. Don't think he's gonna be good in Yankee Stadium. And I was like, you're an idiot. I was, I was, no, no, no. <laughs> so I didn't say so I don't good. think he's gonna be good. I, I said, I said I'm a little nervous. Give, let, let That's true. Okay. Play. Okay. Which, it was a fair thing. If you're giving up home runs in Seattle, that's a little mm. – and you move to Yankee Stadium, it's a little nerving. It's a little nerving. But, no, I mean, look. He's been money. He's been good. He's really been money. He had a couple really bad starts, but after that, he's been money again. Right. But also, if you go through the log of any, you know, elite pitcher's career, there's bound to be kind of a couple duds in there in a row. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Blake Snell – it's been happening too recently, and I think we're going to look back at the end of the season and kind of think like, "Oh, remember when we were kind of panicked about him?" Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean that's just it's just how it happens over the. Uh, an ace can't be an ace every given day. I left exactly. Jacob Degrom in twenty eighteen, who literally did not give up more than three runs in a start that entire that's why, year. That's why ERA is an earned run average. Yeah, exactly. Uh, people forget that. Well, no, dude, we got to we got to account for consistency. I mean, we have to. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, back, back, to Boone. <laughs> back to Boone, because we were talking about that, and of course, Luke and, Luke and, me, and me, somehow, because we never get on tangents, we decided to get on a tangent. Uh, we're always very focused on the top. We are always very focused. We never stray from what we're supposed to talk about. <laughs> um, but So we were talking about it, but yeah, Cashman's not stupid. He knows what he's doing. He knew that when he was firing Girardi and hiring Boone, he knew there was a reason for that. We all knew there was a reason for that. The only right. people who didn't know there was a reason for that were people who wanted to find a way to make fun of the Yankees for absolutely no reason. I mean, I still clowned them, but I was still very scared. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, of course, you're gonna, you gotta, you gotta clown the Yankees. You're a Red Sox fan, but of course, you know of deep down that you're like, okay, Cashman just made a very confusing move. That's wow. a very bad sign for me. <laughs> every every time that that happened, I always just God, please. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, stop. stop trading all your players to the Yankees. Like, you obviously know what's going to happen every time. So, it's like, so either don't trade him to the Yankees and find out why the Yankees want him or don't trade him to the Yankees because they will make him good. I've, <laughs> I've always thought that. Like, if I was a GM and Brian Cashman, call, Brian Cashman called me and was like, hey, man, I'm interested in your 28-year-old. I would oh, hang up like, and yeah. throw my phone at a tree outside and just hope it explodes <laughs> and he can never call me again. Like, he would literally be like, I'm interested in your 27-year-old shortstop from AAA. And I would just go, uh, 
He's not available. And just hang up the phone. I would call him up and he would be my starting shortstop the next day. <laughs> like that's literally <laughs> what it would be. Cause like, there's just something about the Brian Cashman and I'm sure it's not entirely Brian Cashman. I'm sure the Yankees have a great analytics team that helped Brian oh, yeah. Cashman, but I mean, he's the face of the friend. He's the face of it. So we're giving him all the credit he deserves. Sorry, probably random guy named Earl in the Yankees analytics team. <laughs> um, well, the, to kind of to kind of just touch on Boone again quickly, I think after last year, obviously winning a hundred games was sweet, and but the way the divisional series ended and the way that I thought Cora managed the Red Sox, obviously to a World Series in his first year was impressive. I think that kind of turned up the pressure on Boone, like, oh, look what the Red Sox uh, new hire did with right. with that roster, and and the way that maneuver, uh, Boone's maneuvered the roster this year has been nothing short of great and it's always funny because in the beginning of the year the way that uh Boone kind of mismanaged the bullpen at times but also I mean you're without Dylan Batances you're without a couple of other key pieces Chad Green went through his rough patches I thought it was hilarious to just kind of see the old Yankees fans be like oh there's Boone again listening to the to the nerds in the in the dugout telling him what to do all the time because he's mm-hmm. a puppet and all that but I think the way that he's managed the lineup and that's why I do have complete confidence in him to to maneuver it as these pieces get back. And it's really nice to have a guy like DJ LeMahieu who can kind of man every position because mm. Gio Rochelle, I mean, you, you have to expect there's going to be a regression at some point. I it's mean, already Gio kind Rochelle of started. Is, yeah. <laughs> Gio Rochelle is not uh, as good as obviously we, we're going to prop him up to be just because he was so good for for an extended period of time where the Yankees needed him to be good. But just the way Boone's maneuver the lineup I think is going to be – key going forward and it's nice to have those extra pieces like jack said this this roster goes further than 20 uh 25 men which i think will be huge going forward well we also have to give Gio Urshela a bump because he is a yankee so we do have to give well, him yeah a bump i mean that. of course i mean that's just kind of how <laughs> i mean it's how a lot of fan bases work though uh, the yankees obviously being the the biggest kind of uh either you're if you're really good they're going to prop you to be great and if you're kind of below average they're going to prop you to be horrible i mean Giancarlo Stanton was booed after his second at bat coming back from rehab. Bro, that's insane. That's just, that's just how it is in New York. It's so he's, ridiculous. Not fair, but it's just how it is. He struck, yo, he struck out in his first at bat, his first plate appearance back. He struck out, and I signed onto Twitter. And the first thing I saw was, I re- the first thing I saw was, LOL, of course, Stanton struck out. Stanton's back. And I literally thought to myself, is the new small sample size a literal one plate appearance? Right. Now I was going to say, I mean, the guy strikes out, what, 27% of the time? And, like, and exactly. literally... after, that, after that one PA, one PA, he strikes out 100% of the time, so he's complete garbage. What? No, so, exactly. The funny part <laughs> is have Aaron, done that. Judge, Aaron Judge strikes out all the time, but because he's homegrown, it's not as big of a deal. But because Stanton, obviously, is the guy that was supposed to come in and the rating right. NLM. If he strikes out, it's it's a problem. So it's just funny how how Yankees fans give a pass for for their own. But as soon as as Stanton <laughs> strikes out, it's a big problem. Right. You know, Giancarlo Stanton had a down year. He was a four win player. He had thirty eight home runs and had a three sixty OBP. But yeah, he's completely crap because his down year was a four win player. <laughs> right. Right. So oh my god, I, I sometimes yeah, I just it's it's a. I mean, I don't want to say that, like, I feel bad for him because I'm like, I don't really feel bad for anyone that has, like, you know, a $300 million contract yeah, or exactly, whatever. Like, <laughs> but, uh, but it's also just like, you know, he's just trying to play his game. He's not a guy that's, like, you know, trying to go out there and try and rile fans up or anything. It's yeah. just like, you know, he's always been the same guy. I mean, that's exactly what it is. He's just out there trying to hit some home mm-hmm. runs, maybe hit some doubles, then go right. have fun in the New York City and hang out with hot Instagram models. Like, that's just what he's trying to do. Let, it, let the right, man be. Right. Well, exactly. I think one like, of the it's good ass life. <laughs> I think one yeah. of the comparisons, obviously, it's it's kind of an extreme one, but just from the way fans treat the players on the field, it's kind of almost like an A Rod Jeter dynamic in a way, where Jeter was the homegrown guy, but when 100%. the Yankees weren't, yeah. weren't winning championships before 2009, it was A Rod that people were that people were piling the blame on, and obviously that speaks a little bit to the way that uh, people don't like how A Rod carries himself, and obviously me and mm-hmm. Corey, I think Jack too is are huge A Rod guys, but the way that it kind of was all on A-Rod's shoulders because Jeter's the guy, whereas Judge is the guy. So when something's going wrong, you blame Stanton because he's not one of your own. And I think that's kind of the comparison that I draw. Yeah, right. it, it honestly it, makes a lot of sense. Uh, oh, man, I can't remember what I was going to say. I feel like it was something about Boone to revisit. But anyway, I'm, I'm past it. What else, what else do you guys have? 
So another thing to mention. So we actually really didn't even talk about it, but um, so Edward Encarnacion was traded to the Yankees because that happened literally the day after we posted Mm -hmm. the episode. Um, a lot of fans were complaining about it, saying like, "Oh, we need pitching." Can if I went through the tweet saying, "Welcome to New York, Edwin from the Yankees." If I went through it, at least 50% of those tweet responses would be some variation of, oh, can Edwin Encarnacion pitch? Which, by the way, if you're tweeting that back at the Yankees, just know you're not original and you're not clever. Because that has been said every <laughs> year since, like, 2010 um, with every acquisition that they made. Uh, and then also stuff like, oh, well, we need a pitcher. We need this. First off, Brian Cashman knows you need a pitcher or knows we need a pitcher. Right. I'm sure he knows that. He's not going to, like, scroll <clears throat> through Twitter notifications and see – uh, some guy with a Twitter handle at Joe D eight nine nine six go. Oh, why is, we need a pitcher and be like, wait, we need a pitcher. This guy's a genius. Like that's not how it's gonna go. Like Cashman knows you need a pitcher and B, because you trade for a DH, that you're the, the Yankees are paying Edwin Encarnacion less money than the Tampa Bay Rays are right, paying right. Encarnacion. So because we go get Encarnacion, like. It's not like that's it's the only move he's gonna make. No, this Yankees, are, Yankees are done for the deadline, Jack. Yankees three, are done for yeah. the deadline. <laughs> 100% done. No, we're getting Encarnacion yeah. winning the series. That's it. 100% yeah. Cashman, done. Cashman's bowing out. He's done. He's they're tired. Con- yep. They're converting, Florio to a, they're converting Florio to a pitcher. He made one phone call to mm-hmm. um, get Encarnacion, and he's done. That's it. Yep. That's it. Yep. Sorry, man. Sorry, I don't think people over. are, like, realizing this is an independent move from picking up a pitcher. <laughs> right. Like, what, what's, what's wrong with making a strength an even better strength? I was going to say, I mean. you want to have the best roster possible? I don't think Encarnacion is necessarily a championship move that's going to say, oh, now the Yankees are going to win the World Series. But I think he's a nice piece to have. Yeah, exactly. Like, just because we traded for a DH out of all, out of all positions, we traded for a DH. And that's a problem. <laughs> like, and, and it's very simple to understand, too. And I don't know why more people don't understand it, but a run scored is the same as a run prevented. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, if Edwin is probably the quality, you know, of like probably a number three rental starter equivalent of like a pitcher, he's a good hitter. He's a very good hitter. <laughs> like people are going to enjoy having him in the lineup. Boone is really going to enjoy having him as an option. He gets more flexibility, more versatility, more depth. There's literally nothing wrong with this move. And they gave up nothing. Absolutely nothing. They gave up Edwin. They gave up Juan Fen, who they got from the Mariners in an earlier trade, right. like two years earlier. Yeah. So like yeah. I just it's it's been infuriating to see you know Yankees Twitter kind of freak out about this because like I just why would you not be Stoked to have Edwin Encarnacion on your team when he's mashing too. Exactly, but the the other thing we need to mention is Jerry Depoto. We got to talk about Jerry Depoto's like five five dimension chest move that he just had. No, we don't. He talk about Jerry Depoto. (laughs) He traded Juan Fen to the Yankees. Then he had the Yankees develop, uh, have him add a couple of mile per hour to his fastball and help him develop, and then he traded for him back. I mean, that's if you if you're asking me, that's pretty five D chess. Have that's one of true. the best. Have one of the best teams that are great at developing young minor league arms. Mm-hmm. That's 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 five D chess right there. And honestly, yeah. we kind of got to give Jerry Depoto some credit there. I will give him credit there. And he, uh, you know, signed Wade LeBlanc, the guy that's carrying my fantasy team right now. <laughs> oh my god, dude! You need a <laughs> you need a new fantasy team. Game. Game. <laughs> no, I had uh, I had Pablo Lopez go down, and then the guy that I'm facing had way way too many to start guys this week and i was just like i just need a spot open the stream so it's been like the brett anderson marco gonzalez Wade oh, LeBlanc, dylan bundy experience the whole week oh, and it's worked how <laughs> but my my uh butthole has been clenched the uh the entire time <laughs> i i cannot tell you why <laughs> exactly. keeping you on the edge oh my god yeah but uh yeah, go go ahead, Luke. You can make your final. Well, I was I was just gonna. I just wanted to get Jack's take. And I know we're starting to run low on time here, but we kind of talked. We me and Corey talked about this at pretty good length last week. But obviously, we touched on the Yankees need to add a starter, and you know, Trevor Bauer is a name that's been thrown around. Mad Bum, mm-hmm. obviously, Marcus Stroman, Max Scherzer would definitely be a haul, and I don't think the Nats will move him. But which of those names, or maybe there's another name, do you think would fit in well uh, the way this roster is constructed? And what do you think? the type of package is going to be is it going to be a clip frazier plus or do you think floreal's name is going to be thrown around or what do you think is going to be the best case scenario for the yankees at this deadline so i saw a comment today on 
fan graphs, I believe, on a chat that somebody had made a really good point because they were kind of talking about uh, Clint Frazier as like kind of the centerpiece for like sort of both of these deals. Um, or actually, they were. I don't think they were talking about Bauer, but I was kind of thinking about, wow, that would be a perfect fit for you know the Indians to get a guy that can actually hit that plays outfield, and the Yankees get Trevor Bauer. I think that you know something around that would work. But uh, then you know people in the Fangraph chat were talking about Madison Bumgarner for Clint Frazier, and kind of saying like, is this you know the type of guy that the Yankees would need to give up? And somebody pointed out that you know with Frazier being really bad on defense and there's no other way around it. Um, Oracle park is huge. Mm -hmm. Like the outfield is vast. He would really yeah. struggle there. And even people with power struggle to hit in San Francisco. So absolutely. You know, so the value of Frazier, I think is a bit, it's not very valuable to the Giants. I think that they would also rather have somebody that fits their window of contention, which truthfully is probably in four or five years. Um, you probably want someone who's coming up with like Elliot Ramos, Marcus Luciano, kind of that sort of group. Um, yeah. Joey Bart will be up probably within the next year or so. Um, and for, you know, Frazier's clock has already started. And I think just given the dimensions of the ballpark, plus the fact that you can't put Frazier at DH, despite DH probably coming to the National League, it's going to be tough. I think Floreal would be somebody that they would be interested in um, because it seems like they tend to really prefer like a lot of the toolsier outfielders. So, like they took Hunter Bishop in the draft, for example, who has like incredible raw power, but also lots of swing and miss ability, which kind of in the roughest comparison, reminds me of Florial in a bit. Um, Helio Ramos is kind of the same thing, where he had ridiculous tools, but you know they kind of fell off last year. Another back. So, um, personally, I think that the best fit, both now and you know, kind of for the future to set them up, would probably be Bauer. And I think Frazier would be a perfect piece for that. I think if you did something like. Frazier, and I don't know if they would be able to get D.V. Perez out of it, but uh, I think Frazier would be a really, really excellent centerpiece for a trade. So do you I, mean, I, wait, do, do you mean Davi Garcia? Yeah, Davi Garcia. Sorry. Okay. I, okay. Are you thinking of Delvin Perez, Perez, the guy you uh, love? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I knew man, it. As soon as you guy. said Perez, I was like, I know he's thinking of Delvin Perez. As soon no, as I, you said it. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I meant uh, D.V. Garcia. But yeah, I think. Uh, those two guys that make some sort of sense, truthfully, because, you know, you get Clint Frazier, who's a controllable outfielder who can hit, which is what, you know, they're kind of looking for in Jake Bowers, but didn't really get. Uh, and then, you know, the Yankees, I have never thought that there has been anything wrong with Trevor Bauer this year. I think it's just kind of been something mechanically off. And I think the home runs and the walks are easily fixable. And it mm -hmm. looks like he has fixed them. Uh, plus, they get him for another year. So you're looking at probably a two-win pitcher from here on out, plus next year you're probably getting a four-win pitcher. I think that that's worth mm -hmm. the price of admission. And you know. I, I, I said to Luke, like, <laughs> I said it earlier, because you gave, made a really good point earlier that, like, Frazier, to the, Frazier and Bauer are, like, literally perfect fits for the other team. And right. I know that the Indians traded Clint Frazier to the Yankees, but, like, a, he was a prospect at the time, and they were literally trying to make a World Series mm -hmm. push. So it made sense to trade their outfield prospects. Like, the Indians haven't had a real outfielder since that World Series run. Right. So, I think yeah. one of the worst mistakes that you could make as a front office, and for this I actually do give Jerry DePoto some credit, is just because you traded away a player doesn't mean that you can't bring him back. Exactly. Uh, I think that's one of the worst ways that you could possibly hamstring your team. Mm -hmm. So... I think that the Indians should be open to doing it. I think that they probably are. It's just a really, really good fit mm -hmm. for both sides. It makes mm -hmm. too much sense. And that's what you're looking for in a trade. It's kind of understanding the other team's needs. Um, and I think both teams really, really get that. Because I don't know if the Indians are strong enough to even make a wild card push this year. Given the injuries and the, you know, and the underperformance from Jose Ramirez... Uh, and then the fact that, you know, the Red Sox are still looming and the A's and the Angels are kind of still in the hunt. Uh, the Rangers, obviously. So 
it's not like it's not a competitive field for the wild card right now either. And the mm-hmm. division, I would pretty much say, is pretty good. Yeah, I, I think the division's all to being locked lost. up. Yeah, I think it's lost. <clears throat> so uh, I think it makes sense for them to be able to retool. And then, you know, again, if Bauer leaves, they have guys like Plezak. They have, you know, Tristan McKenzie in the minors still. They have plenty of arms mm-hmm. still that they can and, find. And yeah, the Indian, and the Indians have been great at developing arms over the years. I mean, <clears throat> they've been really good at developing pitching. Right. Well, they probably aren't so worried about that, but... I mean, Joe Ram has literally fallen off the face of the earth. I don't know mm-hmm. what is up with him. He literally looks like he forgot how to play baseball. Francisco Lindor is Francisco Lindor. <clears throat> um, but outside of those two, and really outside of that one, because like I said, Francisco Lind- or Joe Ram literally cannot hit a baseball anymore. Right. The Indians have nothing outside right, of because- the starting pitching and Lindor. Carrasco also is out indefinitely with the blood mm-hmm. issue. Kluber, you know, has the broken like left elbow or whatever. He's mm-hmm. possibly out for the year, so... Then you look, and it's really just Clevenger. It's like Clevenger and Bieber, who is good, but not great. And then you have Bauer, who it just makes so much sense to trade him. I don't know why they would Absolutely. hold on to him, I, I think, guess. But. I think one of the, mo- the interesting battles to see, I like Bauer, and I like everything you said in terms of the package, but it's going to be funny to watch Bauer kind of battle the New York <clears throat> Oh, that's going to be so funny. Because he's just, I mean, obviously he's going to say what's on his mind, and a lot of people don't like that, but the New York media is not going to take take too kindly to that either. So I think that's going to be, <laughs> that would be a really funny battle to watch so, every day. But the good thing is I don't think Bauer cares. Yeah, This is actually a really interesting point that I didn't really think about, but it is something that teams do consider in terms of like how will they fit in. Um, and I feel like, if anything, that might, be the thing that impedes this trade the most. Um, It is important that the Yankees have a really good clubhouse. I think Bauer is a really good guy. That being said, I don't know how other teams see it internally or if they want to kind of deal with the headache of having to deal with them on social media and everything. And uh, Most teams and most good teams will deal with those flaws is what it comes down to. But yeah, yeah. It, it would be pretty hilarious to have to watch him respond to something in like the New York Post or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually be really funny. What happened with Clint Frazier, he had the one day he didn't talk to the media, and now he seems to be completely alienated from everything. So right. it, it's obviously something that the team looks at. So yeah, I think that's also a good point. Could that <clears throat> impede a trade from happening? And I think it could. Mm-hmm. My, my thing about it, though, is like, so... Jack, you know I 100% agree with you that clubhouse camaraderie and, like, a player personality is – I don't want to say just as important, but you can't ignore it. Like, it's it's extremely important when it comes to a championship-winning team. It's a it's a proven factor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what Astro Ball was about. Mm-hmm. It was also getting the right people in addition to having the right analytics. Exactly. And I personally didn't care that Clint Frazier didn't talk to the media. Because, like, first off, like, A, what's he going to say? Like, would it really kill you? Right. Do you really need to hear that typical cliche soundbite? Oh, I just didn't have a good game, but I'm going to go out there tomorrow and make sure I get enough extra reps in and make sure I work on my defense. Like, right, what does right. him saying that really help? Exactly. Second of all, Clint Fraser really wasn't wrong in the sense that he owes the media nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, should he have talked to the media? Yeah, absolutely, but he's not wrong in what he's saying. Like, no, what he said, all. he wasn't wrong. <laughs> and... It was just funny to me how, like, I saw some people online, like, oh, this guy's a bum. He can't handle New York, this, this. No, he's just not a suck-up, and he stands for what he believes. I don't want to say stands for what he believes in, but he's just very forward about his personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I really would be curious to kind of see how how Bauer would fit uh, in that sort of clubhouse dynamic. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really think it would affect his performance too much, um, but... The other thing, too, is, you know, the Yankees are a very analytically inclined team. Mm. Bauer is a very analytically inclined person. I don't know if they would necessarily be on the same page with that either. Um, So there might be kind of uh, either some sort of difference in opinion that leads to, you know, a clash with the manager, other players, or an impact in his performance. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. Now we're running a little on time, so I just want to make a couple, talk about a couple more things, super, super quickly. So one thing, I know the odds of it are so low, but I would literally sign the deeds of all of our minor leagues teams over to the Nationals for Max Scherzer. <clears throat> just want to say that really quick. I will literally give them all five minor league teams, not just <laughs> yeah, the players. I, I'm like, I will give too. them, the, I will give them the legitimate franchises. I'll give them my nose. 
<laughs> you want to give Max Scherzer? <laughs> Throw so that here's, f- here's five minor league teams, and uh, this guy's nose. <laughs> like, no, no, not even the players. Like, I would literally give them the stadiums, the logos. I would give them the franchises of the minor league teams. Because I said it to you, Jack. Imagine coming into a playoff series, not only having to worry about the lineup of the Yankees, but imagine coming into a series and you have to face a rotation of Max Scherzer, Luis Severino, James Paxton, and Masahiro Tanaka. Even if Scherzer is the only good pitcher in a playoff rotation, I still wouldn't want to face that playoff exactly. rotation. Exactly. That's what. I, and we're not even talking about that. We're talking about Luis Severino, who was one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last year, right. minus his like tough eight game start. We're talking about Masahiro Tanaka, who might be one of the most underrated starters in the entire league. Yeah. And James Paxton, who went healthy and performing right, is a top ten pitcher in baseball. Yeah. It's so that. The thought of that makes me just so happy. <laughs> but the Nationals will never trade Scherzer. I agree that they won't. It'll never happen. I Honestly, I think there might be. I mean, you know what? After them not trading Harper, I agree that the odds of it happening is like 1%. But he's, there is that 1%. He's outrageously valuable. And they still have a decent core together. And they still have a little bit of minor league talent that's left to come up too. So... Uh, they're going to want to compete. They have guys I in agree. place, um, which sucks because I would rather see Max Scherzer on a more competent team, <laughs> truthfully. Uh, like, but th- there's also no denying that he would be a perfect fit for the Yankees, oh, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, unfortunately, we are <clears> – oh, my God, I'm choking on water. Unfortunately, we are actually out of time now, but I do want to make one last super quick point. Luke, do you think the Yankees need a bullpen, any bullpen help at all? If Betances is out for the year, if Betances is out for the year, I, I wouldn't be opposed to picking up another arm. I mean, I think Brad Hand would probably cost a little bit too much, but like a Greg Holland type, I don't know. I, I think, I think it would be nice. I mean, Luis Sessa is still in that bullpen. David Hale, and I know those are guys that are usually used in more uh, less less stressful situations. But in the playoffs, every out counts, and I think that having Every single bullpen arm you can have is huge, especially if your stars are only going three to four innings. I think that another piece would be nice. Yeah, I mean, to just to point out where David Hale is in the bullpen, he pitched today when the Yankees were up 10 to 3, and he threw like four innings. Um, but it also led to Chapman having come in, in the ninth because the exactly, Exactly. That's the thing. So I know we were talking about it, like, oh, when the Yankees, when Judge comes back, the Yankees might have to DFA Cameron Mabin. Maybin, and I was like, screw that. Like, you don't just DFA an 890 OPS bat. DFA David Hale, who sucks and doesn't matter. And you were like, oh, well, Cashman likes having the extra arm. And it's like, yeah, but the extra arm's David Hale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's one of those tough things, you know. Yeah, but I, I, just, I, always, I, just, I just value extra arms, and I don't want to get rid of Maven in any sort. But, I mean, having five outfielders, I don't know if, if that's something that is in Cashman's plan, and I don't think it is. Yeah. I think he really values bullpen arms more than he's going to value having five outfielders. As much as it'd be nice to have Maven in any but, type of situation, whether it be pinch running or defensive changes late in the game. The other thing we have to remember is that if any GM is going to take a take trading for Cameron Maben for like I think they literally traded him for like a hundred grand something like ridiculous like that they got him for if anybody's going to take a hundred grand minor leagues trade trade to requiring acquiring like a legitimate prospect for that player because he's so damn good with the Yankees it's Brian Cashman so I could see them keeping Maben until they trade him at the deadline I just don't think Cashman would have the balls to DFA at nine eight ninety OPS. That's just my take on it. Also, I would be fully on board with launching Brett Gardner into the sun. Um, <laughs> he, I don't know what his problem is. He's, sometimes I have issues with wins above replacement as a stat because, like, Cameron Mabin's been great defensively. He's been great offensively. And he's only worth, like, .6 war, whereas Brett Gardner literally can't hit a baseball. I think he has, like, three hits this season with runners in, extra, in scoring position. And for a while, he was, like, one for 30. And his one was the grand slam against the Red Sox. So, A, suck it, Jack. And, B, <laughs> that's just unacceptable at this point. <clears throat> so, I'm okay with launching him into the sun. I mean, they're, they're not going to. That's the yeah, exactly. That's the problem. But, anyway, so, unfortunately, we are out of time. But one more fun fact. sixteen uh, In 2009 today, the Yankees signed a 16-year-old Dominican catcher by the name of Gary Sanchez. Wow. Um, 16 <laughs> years ago today. 
And also just want to point out that in this article about them signing Gary Sanchez, an NL Scouts, an NL Scouts exact quote was, I would like to have him, but $2.5 million is too much money. He has a thick body. He's a good hitter, but he doesn't hit like Jesus Montero. <laughs> <laughs> that was the it doesn't hit. No oh. one hits like Jesus Montero. Though. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> no, I hit like Jesus Montero. <laughs> Next yeah, Babe Ruth, baby. Oh, my God. Baby. No, no, no. Of course. No, he's not the next Babe Ruth. We have Kyle Schwarber. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but um, so I just had to mention that because I knew as soon as I said the name Jesus Montero, Jack would lose his mind laughing. Oh, man. I just knew it. So I had to mention that quote. But anyway, unfortunately, we are out of time. Jack, you're going to have to join us again because I yes, love when you come on the podcast. This is great. Of course. We're definitely going to have you again, so don't worry about it. Um, but for all of us here at Six Man Rotation, my name is Corey Austin, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Luke Owens. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Unfortunately, I just want to apologize. We have not been tweeting much about the games because I just started a new internship. Luke's whipped by his girlfriend, so he's busy a lot. I'm um, not, no, 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 no. That's, that's not <laughs> No, I know so that's not I will Luke. become the new regular. It's oh, Corey. Okay. We're going to give Jack yeah. Twitter controls. And we're going to would... call it Connecticut. Half of it is the Yankees. Half of it is the Red Sox. I will say, though, having Jack on is actually really nice, though, because it's not one of those – I mean, he's pretty level-headed about everything in baseball, so it's, it's nice to kind of have the outside opinion. I Jack appreciate it. Is the, Jack, when it comes to every baseball fan I know, Jack is the least biased out of everybody I know. <laughs> And it's really, really frustrating sometimes because <laughs> he'll agree with me on, like, ten straight things, and then I'll get into an <laughs> argument with somebody in the group chat, and I'm like, Jack's going to back me up. And then Jack will just randomly comment, take no, you're a side. freaking moron, Corey. <laughs> and I'll just be like, Jack, no, you're my only support. <laughs> and then I'll be like, all right, uh... maybe I am an idiot. But, so it's really frustrating sometimes because I never know how he's going to feel because I never know where his bias line is because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but um, Jack, we, we gotta have you on again, Jack. But, yeah, absolutely. This is great. So, like I said, for all of us here at Six Man Rotation, my name is Corey Austin. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host Lou Owens. You already did that, Corey. I know, but I'm saying it again because we got <laughs> on topic as per usual. So we will be back next week. Have a good one. Screw the Red Sox and go Yanks. Go Yanks. Go Sox. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>